Just use your intercessory prayer voice. <laughs> that voice is up here. <laughs> Definitely a soprano. Do Are you now. okay? Do it now, Jesus. No? Okay. Yeah, I'm running late, so just meet me at the let out. Y'all trying to get in, but I'm trying to get out. Getting robbed, get shot at the let out. Heels in her hand while she leaving out the let out. Well, city of Atlanta, saints, goons, and ain'ts. Welcome back to the let out where we don't believe in Santa Claus, but we will jig in a manger. Oh yes, oh yes, we will. You know, let's think through the playlist that was playing in the manger. Oh! At Jesus' birth. What was Jesus rocking? Um, I said that Jesus was rocking. Um, let's see. Dunny Hathaway. Ain't gonna miss so too. I'm gonna get to know you better. This Christmas, huh? Come on. Oh yes. Jesus was rocking on his playlist, Silent Night, <laughs> the Temptations version. <laughs> In my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh. That one. What else was he playing? Um, oh, so holidays. <laughs> Sounds of blackness. Sounds of black. See, don't nobody know about Come that. Come on. We give all thanks to who we believe in. See, I wish I had a singing voice. You lost it in prayer again. God, prayer got my voice. Saints be out here. The Lord knew. So, in conclusion, <laughs> my Jesus's playlist for Christmas would be lit. And Mary would be screaming in the background, close my door! <laughs> Meanwhile, Joseph is somewhere smoking a Newport short. Anyway. <laughs> Hanging from his lip. Right. <laughs> That's so dumb. Well, my name is McBride. And my name is Martin. What's up, y'all? Yeah. So this is the let out. So again, just to reiterate what the let out is, this is a merge um, between pop culture, current events, um, what's happening within our world, all in this gumbo, this hodgepodge, centered in through the lens of intercession. We are young intercessors who are making a statement that you can still hear the voice of the Lord, still have fun, still be relevant, still be fresh and fly. So again, welcome to the let out. And once again, I just want an avenue to talk trash. I'm sick of you. <laughs> and ain't nobody gonna move me. I'm sick of you. Oh. Um, so to begin our first episode tonight, we want to introduce a segment that is called The Block is Hot. The Block is Hot. The Block is Hot. hot. You remember that? Yes. Man. <laughs> Wayne, Cash money. Wayne, Wayne had some hits, fam. They had it. Manny Fresh, oh Baby, God. all of them. Like... These young folk, they don't know nothing about real ratch music. Can we pause for a moment of yeah. silence for the fact that they
cash money records taking over for the nine nine and, and we're, we're ready all right so with the block is hot this is where we actually explore what is currently going on within pop culture what is going on within national state and local news um this is where we somewhat talk about what is relevant within our culture but we also try to pull out what it is that we need to be praying through it Absolutely. makes no sense for us to say that we hear the voice of the lord but we're always behind the four walls of a church and we're always stuck in a bible ma'am sir you gotta get out if you want to be somebody, huh? if you want to go somewhere, Line this him. you better wake up and pay attention. Word to Sister Mary Clarence. We thank you. So first up on this edition of The Block is Hot, if you are anywhere near social media or in the city of Atlanta, I'm pretty sure you have heard that Atlanta has an AIDS epidemic that is now being compared to that of a third world country. This is insane. Um, there's an article that we've been dancing around. Who is it with? Um, HIV Plus Magazine, I believe. Yeah, HIV Plus Magazine. They actually do a quote from one of the directors within the CDC who basically says that the AIDS epidemic in the city of Atlanta is comparable to that of Zimbabwe. This is crazy. And I think what, what shifts us or what shakes us the most is the fact that, you know, Sunday after Sunday, gathering after gathering, our sacred spaces, our churches, our temples, our mosques are packed out with individuals who are lifting up beautiful hands, who are, you know, shuffling across our floors, who are giving their monies, um, who are even checking their babies into children ministries. Um, but we're not taking time to address this reality from our pulpits. And know. believe it or not, in my humble opinion, that's an act of spiritual malpractice. Oh, it is. There is no way that we can be living day to day and we're out here in these streets with STIs that are Justice League. Like, fam, penicillin ain't gonna Justice get this. League. Justice League, like all of this stuff out here, and we come into these centers of worship, yeah. these um, Christian assemblies or whatever you have it, and people are literally living this horrible reality in their bodies, yeah. and we have nothing to say yeah. about their current reality. And then not only do we not say anything, but we also shroud them in shame that part. as well. Um, we find moments where we don't want to hold their hands in worship. We don't want to hug them because they look a certain way. They smell a certain way. Um, Y'all, something is wrong with this. And I think that modern-day westernized Christianity um, is the antithesis to the prophetic that is found within the biblical text. When you look at the ancient prophets of the Old Testament, they were all men and women who literally spoke truth to power. Absolutely. So for us to call our churches, our homes, and even ourselves prophetic people, I say woe to you. Whenever you look at what they did in the biblical text, they were always in the mix of political order, political structure, chatting down Babylon, if you will, where are we doing this? You know? Damn. I think that at the end of the day, it feels like our focus is off kilter. Yeah. 
There is something wrong if there are news reports that are saying that young people should take HIV prevention medication. Yes. Ain't that crazy? Like birth control yes. every day. Yes. And there's nothing being said in these sacred spaces no. to speak to uh, this present reality in this city. Like, yeah. and not just the city of Atlanta, but cities all across, across the country. country. Yeah. Something is wrong. And I may get in trouble for this, but you ain't gonna walk up on me. I think Facts. that we need to have serious dialogue around AIDS and HIV prevention. Mm -hmm testing yes. because there's no way that our children's churches are booming booming fam spilling they got overflow standing room how your kids have overflow fam listen Sharday, i wrestle with the fact that oftentimes within churches we demand we we say with our mouths come as you are but when you show up we only want bits and pieces of you right so we shut all people being able to express and talk through within a healthy space mm -hmm. their sex and sexuality that part some something is wrong when we are allowing the streets and allowing the toxic culture of our time to teach our children about sex and sexuality and they cannot come into these sacred spaces where we force their parents to sacrifice time mm -hmm. Those same children cannot come into these spaces to authentically learn about sex and sexuality in a healthy way. I think that if we were to put a pulse on this, to put a hand on it, I do believe that we would be the answer and the solution to curb some of this that is going on. Absolutely, and when you look at it, the reality is the way that we handle and we engage people from different walks of life, yeah. what we're doing is, um, although we are tangible flesh and blood, we are giving people subconsciously a picture of the hands and the feet of God. Of God. Yeah. And we are telling them that because we want to pick and choose um, how we handle people or which parts of them that we want to engage with subconsciously, we're teaching them and ingraining in them that God only wants parts bits and, and bits and pieces Ooh, of you. Help us. And that, yeah. that's a problem. That's a whole problem. That, that is a whole problem. And it makes me wonder, especially when I sit down and I have conversations with young people, um, how they feel as if that they can't go into the presence of God and be authentically honest about who they are and what it is that they are experiencing and what it is that they are encountering. Some young people are under the impression that they can only go into the presence of God when they haven't fallen, when they haven't done anything wrong, when they, they have crossed the T's and they have, you know, dotted the I's and it's like, wait. So now that means that your righteousness is an act of performance and it's not on the back of Christ. That part. You know? And at the end of the day, the book of Hebrews says emphatically, you are to come to the throne of grace yes. boldly. Boldly, yes. So that means that you, we have to engage with people in such a way that they're not, we're not putting on more shame yeah. and we're not putting on um, more trauma on people, but allowing them to know that, you know, we're not gonna just engage with the bits and pieces that we feel comfortable with. Yeah. But also, God, like, that's played. Like, he wants all, all of, of you, you, fam. Yeah, yeah. So, what we are saying is, please, people of God, those of you all 
that are, you know, sexually active and we're not promoting anything. What we are promoting is that you be safe. What we are promoting is that you protect yourself. What we are promoting is that you permit God to minister to your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit, but also your body. Absolutely. Yeah. And just as God has a plan and a purpose for your life, God has a plan and a purpose for your body. Facts. Okay. Amen. Holiness is still right. It's still right. Y'all ain't going to get me and call my pastor. You ain't going to call mm -hmm. my pastor. Pastor, we're saying holiness is right. Okay. Don't, <laughs> don't text me, Reverend. All right. All right. So moving on. Um, I believe our next one, Kevin Hart. This guy. Oh, Kevin. So what's happening with Kevin Hart? All right. So recently... Kevin Hart has been pulled on the carpet for comments that he made in the past pertaining to those that are part of the LGBTQIA community. Mm -hmm. um, the remarks that he made, they were very heinous. Mm -hmm. um, they were very crude. Um, and they were joking remarks about where he stood with individuals that are a part of this community. Um, those comments were brought to the light when the announcement was made that it is desired for him to host this year's Oscar. Um, when those things came out about him, instead of Kevin Hart, you know, owning it and apologizing and moving on, showing up and having a phenomenal night, it is alleged um, that he basically said, nah fam, I'm not apologizing. And the gotcha gotcha to that is he made a entire social media discourse about yeah. how he is a changed individual. He's far removed from what he has said in the past and that he is not apologizing only for less than 12 hours later to pass. And dude gets on Twitter and apologizes. And apologize. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, had Kevin Hart actually owned up to it, from the beginning, I think that this would have been a teaching moment for a number of people. You know, no matter how far you go in life, there will be moments where you need to reconcile some of the things that you've done in your past that were toxic, that were anus. Um, it's not necessarily saying, you know, that we, we don't practice forgiving and forgetting, but we do practice forgiving and also admitting and owning. I think that that's a part of maturity. Um, that's a part of growth and development. And it seems as if that this is a principle too that we've forgotten about in the body of Christ. You Absolutely. know, we pull that, well, if I offended you, no. you know you offended me. Come and, and get this right. What are and you doing? It really boils down to humility. Ooh. We will apologize and repent to God. And we yes, get it right with each other. Yes. Yeah. Repent. That's the right thing to do. But. Yes. Go to the person that you have offended yes. and get that together. Sade, I want to ask you this. Okay. Do you believe that on the same level that I offended you, I should also, with that same energy, come back and apologize to you? So what I mean by that is that if I offended you on social media, do you believe in a public space, do you believe that with that same energy that I offended you, that same energy I need to bring my apology and my request for your forgiveness. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> we offend people mm -hmm. in a public setting. And not only do we offend them in a public setting, 
but we bring in collateral damage yes, to a whole nother audience yes, we do. and we have affected the audience's perception of said offended party yeah. and we want to go behind closed doors man of god i'm so sorry no no no, no. i did x y and z yeah. i am so sorry Take that same energy. That same level of energy. That please. you were out in these streets. Oh, yes. Bumping your gums and apologize and make it right. Mm -hmm. That's only right. I'm only asking that you come down the line in Tootsie Roll and ask for forgiveness. That's all I'm at. Listen, that's all I want. Okay? That's all we need. All right. So, yeah, you know, it's very you unfortunate. You're not going to pass by Tootsie Roll <laughs> for forgiveness, fam? We're moving on. This is why I don't talk to you. No, no you're going to talk to me on tonight. Um, but, yeah, it's very unfortunate, you know, that this did happen with Kevin. I believe that Kevin would have done a phenomenal job because Absolutely. this is such a winning season it is. for Kevin. It I is. dare say that Kevin Hart is the Richard Pryor of our time. Facts. Facts. You agree? I, I'll give that to you. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. It, I would love to see how he, not necessarily bounce back. I think that may be the wrong term for it, but I'll I'll use it for the sake of the hour. I would love to see how he bounces back from this. How does he handle this moment and carrying it out? Because there's a whole nother, you know, generation of comedians that are coming up behind him that are watching his behavior and taking cues from his behavior, you know, Absolutely. just like he is from his predecessors. So I, I would love to see how he, you know, fixes this, how he rectifies it, you know? The funny thing about this is he apologizes on Twitter and then um, a constituent of his, Nick Cannon, goes on his Twitter feed and he begins to do deep sea diving with some other less melaninated comedians. Um, I think he grabbed old tweets from Chelsea Handler, Amy Schumer, and well, Sarah Silverman. Since we're here. And we, Nick Cannon legit was like, so y'all gonna say this about my boy, but what about this? <sighs> Here's <No>! the... <sighs> I can't knock it. I mean, if you gonna have friends, have friends that, you know, ride with you, like for real, for real. But here is the caveat to that. The quality of your decisions is reflected by the quality of your cosign. Every cosign is not a good sign. So if you're out here fooling wait, wait, up. Wait, wait, say that again. Every what? Every cosign uh -huh. is not a good sign. Come on, say it one more time. Every cosign is not a good sign. Now, if we find that on a t-shirt, just know I'm ripping the shirt off your body. Moving on. Thank you so much, Jeff. My brother is a goon, and I just, I, just I praise Don't God. Don't put it on the t-shirt while we rip it off your body. But seriously, you can't be out here fooling up doing God knows what. Yeah. And just because your circle, your squad, yeah, and they're pumping you up and they're priming yeah. you, that doesn't mean that your decisions right. are right, mm -hmm. that you are right. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, wrong is wrong, right is right. He literally could have humbled himself. Yeah. Apologized. And, it and God knows what could have come from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's real. 
So moving on, we have the 40 day and 40 night funeral services for one President George W. Bush Sr. You know, I really wonder, and in no shade to the president, the former president, Bush Sr., I really wonder, was that man's body in that coffin? I personally think it was a quilt and a little pillow. <laughs> that body traveled from sea to shining sea. Mighty God. I know he stunk. Do <laughs> you know what? Help us, big God. So... I've, I've really been very conflicted, you know, surrounding this president's death um, because, you know, people there, they're talking about, oh, my God, Daddy Bush and, you know, people, they're grieving. And I respect that, you know, yes, let's celebrate having the life and the legacy and having a moment mm -hmm. for an individual, because at the end of the day, regardless of his politics, he was still a human. He was still a father. You know, he still had friends. He had constituents and all of that good stuff. But. I, I just have to sometimes park the car and really examine like individuals. So I've been catching up on this amazing documentary that's on Netflix called LA 1992 or LA 92. Right. And it's centered around the Rodney King riots of 1992, um, the racial tensions that were taking place within California, the city of LA specifically during the 1990s. And there was a whole lot of stuff that President Bush Sr. did that was like erroneous. A lot of the language that was found um, within the president during the Watts riots of the 60s, he was literally following within those same shoes during the Rodney King riots of 1992. The parallels were like crazy. You know, we have to sit with the fact that George W. Bush Sr. was the president that came after um, President Reagan, right? right the Reagan nominees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually implemented, he pushed for Reaganomics to be brought about within our country. Reaganomics is responsible for mass incarceration. Mm -hmm. It's responsible, um, even I dare say, for trickle down uh, economics. Yes, yeah. yes, trickle down economics, all of that good stuff. And we're celebrating him for a while. I mean, God bless his legacy. Yes. You know, God bless his children. You know, they're grieving. Mama didn't gone on. Yeah. Their father, you know, is going to meet her in the air. You know, <laughs> you make me sick. You know, just bless the bushes. But you know. However, comma. Jesus. I really want people to have enough gumption to say, while he may have been a phenomenal man, his presidency was kind of problematic, fam. A whole problem. I mean, under him, in the 90s, we saw the militarization of police. I know I jacked that word up. Um, but, yeah, like, we, we, we saw that, you know. He's even the president that was very hard on hip-hop culture. Absolutely. You know? He was the president that, when you look at... Um, 
the climate and the culture that was surrounding uh, Ice-T and N.W.A. Yeah. He was the president that was literally trying to put federal sanctions on, on this expression yeah. of our culture. So when you look at it, we're celebrating and we're pumping up the legacy of a man that really tried to silence a generation yeah. through artistic expression. Yeah. And the powerful thing about hip-hop of that time and hip-hop of now is that those cats back then, um, Public Enemy, N.W.A., Ice-T, Ice Cube, um, Rakim, um, KRS-One, Latifah, all of them, they, they were literally the poets, I dare say the prophets of the time who literally were taking artistic expression to speak against the social ills of that time. Um, fight the power that be. Um, you know, even with NWA, although they use selective language, you know, um, F the police. Dealing with those songs, once you really listen to the lyrics, once you really listen to what it was that they were saying at the time, I dare say that they were even more prophetic than some of the spiritual leaders of that time. So when you really look at what it was that President um, Bush was doing with trying to place federal sanctions against them, it was almost as if he was also attempting to silence the revolutionaries of that time. Absolutely. And even when you look at revival um, mm -hmm. and relating that to where we are now, could there could it absolutely be that revival is all around us? However, we are the body of Christ, dare to say, uh, we are turning a blind eye to the prophets of the time. Are. I, I really believe that we are. I've been really praying through God send forth modern day revolutionaries. Um, send forth those who are bold, who are unafraid, who are willing to step up and speak truth to power. I mean, this whole voting issue that's been going on, you know, within this last quarter of 2018, it's been a fool with Stacey Abrams and the situation that happened here within Georgia. And Absolutely. I feel... Say and I'm saying it with my say chest. It with your chest. I huh? feel that the race was stolen from her. This Absolutely. whole voter suppression thing. Absolutely. Like, where are our revolutionaries? And I'm also left with the idea of, am I the answer to the prayer that I've been praying? You, you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time that we are, in fact, the answer wow. to the prayers that we have been praying. And um, I find it very problematic that we can sit in these um, sacred spaces and become so mum and so hush yeah. as it relates to social justice, yeah. social change, the ills and the perils that are happening in our country, in our society, when in fact the Jesus that you preach and teach Come on. was a political martyr, A fam. whole political martyr. We don't want to talk about that, but Jesus was a whole political martyr. And at the end of the day, um, it was the church, uh, the it was the church that carried out the um, the agenda of the Roman government. government yes. He was a political martyr. So I have a problem, mm -hmm. Sir Collar, Sister Lapscarf. If you can get up in these sacred spaces yes. upon these pulpits and you have nothing to say about the injustice that's happening in the society around you. Something's wrong. And you better be glad I'm not your bishop, because I'll call for your license. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs>
right. You know what? I have to shout out this revolutionary of all revolutionaries, um, Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton yeah. of Chicago, Illinois. We celebrate his life. Absolutely. We are on the, the other side of the 49th year anniversary of his death. If you are not familiar with Fred Hampton, please, ma'am, please, sir, do the, the due diligence of researching who he was. He actually stepped up to the forefront when um, Huey Newton and Bobby Seale were locked up, the leaders and the founders of the Black Panther Party. Um, he was one of those that actually ascended um, the ranks during that time to be a powerful revolutionary voice that started bringing the people together. Um, he was one of those that went into the mountains of Illinois um, to bring in, you know, the mountain dwellers, our Caucasian brothers and sisters, to let them know, hey, the same injustices that we are facing within our urban cities, you're also facing the, the, the same injustice within these rural areas as well. And in order for us to overcome the systemic injustice, we need each other. I believe that had Fred not been assassinated Fred definitely would have been a catalyst for strong, powerful change that our country has yet to see. Absolutely, and I believe that his assassination was yet another example of the militarization yes. of police. Yes. And why that is still a vital discussion that needs to, to be, be had. had. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting how it's, it feels as if history is repeating itself. Yeah. Um, even when we sit down with the whole idea of COINTELPRO, how it was issued basically to kill, quote unquote, quote, the rising of a black messiah, um, an individual of African descent that could unite other individuals or mass groups of us who are African descent. Um, it's just interesting to see how within our times a lot of leaders are coming up murdered um it it it, it goes back to the spirit of herod the spirit of herod yes. and the agenda mm -hmm. of herod mm -hmm. like this is something that's not new yeah. it's ancient it's ancient and it passes on from century to century I, generation I, to generation it even goes back to the days of moses yeah. with pharaoh yeah. you know um and even as an intercessor again you know just bringing it in you know how do we strategically pray through this you know god yes raise up um modern day revolutionaries men and women who are able to speak to the systemic oppression of our time the overt and covert you know racism or the overt covert um misogynism sexism um God, yes, raise them up, but at the same time, how do we counter the spirit of Herod? How do we counter the spirit of Pharaoh, this thing that causes them to be snatched prematurely? How do we counter that? What, what vision do you have with that, if at all? I definitely think that we need to take into consideration that the Bible is true when it says faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So God bless you in your prayers. Yes, pray it through, yeah. pray strong, but get up off of your knees, yes. out of your prayer closet, take off that prayer shawl and go to your city and vote. And vote. Do what you need to do to make sure that the people who will push through the legislation that um, affects your community the best, make sure they're in office to make um, 
the laws and the decisions so that real. will create change. That's so real. Like it's so played to shake your fist at the sky and to pray and call down fire and he coming on a Honda and machine gun tongues and you're not doing you won't anything. Go vote. Like fam, if you don't get out of my face. I don't want your prayers. If you didn't get that peach sticker that said I voted, shut up. I don't want your prayers. And truth be told, <laughs> like, praise God for all y'all other stickers, but Georgia has I the love best my stickers. Yeah. Voted. It, it really does. But uh, Georgia, <laughs> Georgia been on that Fugazi. My God. It has. Georgia is on my mind, okay? I'm like Ray Charles. Georgia, Georgia is on my mind. Georgia ain't on my mind. Georgia can catch this fade. Moving on. Uh, so, with the militarization of police, James Alex Fields Jr. Mm -hmm. And there's so much to be said about this guy who was found guilty of first-degree murder of Heather Heyer uh -huh. in Charlottesville. Yeah, um, this was the guy that actually ran through a group of protesters um, a couple of years ago, I believe. There was a Klan rally that was taking place in Charlottesville, and in a heat of rage, this man hops white in rage. his car, white rage, hops in his car, and literally, I mean, just charged through an entire group of people, and Heather was one of the individuals that actually died. So I'm very glad that justice is being served. Absolutely. Um, it reminds me of the scripture in Amos where it talks about how the justice of our God will roll down Absolutely. like waters from a mountain. Um, I'm praying that we see more cases of this taking place within our country where, where um, moments of rage, moments of anger, moments of um, xenophobic terrorism, because that's what it is, mm -hmm. xenophobic terrorism, um, race, racially motivated terrorism, regardless of who you are, that it be prosecuted, that it be judged righteously. I am praying that the justice of our God, the justice of our righteous God, be made manifest in all areas of court. Whether if it's federal, whether if it's local, whether if it's state, I, I so pray that the justice and the righteousness of our God be made manifest. So I'm, I'm glad to get this to know that he was found guilty, but I'm also praying for his mind as well. You know, at the Absolutely. end of the day, um, he's still in some regards or in some ways a human. Um, he's still lovable by God. He's still salvageable by our God. But um, yeah, fam, I'm glad he got this time. That part. So I will see you one James Alex Fields Jr., mm -hmm. but I will raise you mm -hmm. this story that came across my timeline. So I hope I don't cuss. About oh. a black cop yeah. who mistakenly shot a white woman and was charged with intentional murder. <sighs> Breathe, man of God. So a judge in Minneapolis has ruled that an officer who killed a woman on duty yeah. will face another murder charge in the shooting. Officer Mohammed Noor responded to a call of possible domestic violence in July of 2017. Now, while sitting in his car with his partner, Justine Damon, who's 40 years old, 
banged on the back of the vehicle and came around to the driver's side. Now, at some point, Mohammed shot across his partner through the window, fatally injuring Damon, who later died at a hospital. Tragically, it was Damon, the lady, who called 911 to report a possible crime. So, furthermore, they go on to report that in the aftermath of the shooting, Mohammed, a Muslim immigrant from Somalia, was charged with third degree unintentional murder and second degree manslaughter. Hold it. Prosecutors in the case wanted to add a more serious charge, and on December 7th, they got their wish. So Judge Catherine Quaintance approved an additional charge, get this, of second-degree intentional murder against Mohammed in the case. So that's 40 years. So, yeah. So the prosecution maintained, get this, that Mohammed deliberately shot Damon that night and fired with tragic accuracy, managing to send a nine millimeter bullet across his partner's body and through the narrow space of the open driver's side window. So as a result of the second degree intentional murder, Mohammed faces up to 40 years in prison if convicted on that charge alone. In addition to that, a conviction of third degree murder carries a maximum sentence of 25 years, while the penalty for second degree manslaughter is 10 years or a 20K fine. So technically, this brother is looking at a max of 75 years behind bars. That part. Okay, so I have a number of issues here. Um, because we are the generation that were whole adults when Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. was murdered back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Cassandra Blaine's. Mm-hmm. We've seen the, the Pastels. Um, the Castells. Philando. Mm-hmm. Um, Philando. Yeah. Um, the Eric Gardner. Yes. And Sean Bells. You know, Tamir Rice. And I have to like pause and breathe sometimes because it makes me angry in knowing that they had video, they had footage, they know that these black, brown men and women were unarmed and the individuals that were responsible for their untimely death were put on administrative leave. With pay. With pay. Mm -hmm. Um, You were forced to retire. And with your retirement, you still got a settlement from your job. Mm -hmm. Or they transitioned you from the county and the state that you were in to a whole other county and state. Mm -hmm. And nothing was done. You know, and I don't necessarily want to make it a racial thing, but it's, it's hard not to see, you know, the black and white or, you know, the, the red and yellow in, in this instance. What's interesting is that at the time of that shooting with Mohammed Noor, 
um, the country was still grappling yeah. with other shootings of unarmed black men. But while the white officers involved in those shootings received support from the Fraternal Order of Listen. Police and the NRA, Listen. no support was given to Mohammed in the killing of an unarmed white woman in pajamas. Instead, this man's personal life was explored and past complaints about him were immediately released to the public for scrutiny. What about the the chick down in Texas that walked into the brother's apartment? Both them jeans. Yes. You know, um, there was a lot of stuff that they wanted to have released on her. Mm -hmm. And then they put like a block up. Did. You know, but the brother whose apartment that she walked in, they talked about how the how the young man was, you know, smoking, smoking marijuana, you know. And it's like, what did that have to do with anything? Like, this guy was still a stand-up citizen. He had just recently graduated mm-hmm. from college. He was deeply involved in his church. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a family guy. He was a, a first generation American, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy. For me, it's easy for me to murder you with no second thought if I first criminalize you. Yes. And that's more than anything. I think that's what justice fatigue is Mm -hmm. for me. The criminalization of black and brown bodies or more so the criminalization of victims of these modern day, modern time assassinations. And again, my question is, where are the prophetic voices of our time who are stepping up to the plate and speaking truth to power? Shout out to Pastor Freddie Haynes down Mm -hmm. in Texas. Shout out to uh, Dr. Teresa Fry Brown. Shout out to Dr. Melva Sampson. Yeah, shout out to Dr. Katie Cannon. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Dr. James Cone. Like, these are amazing people who are still in the land of the living, some of them, and others have, you know, gone on to transition to receive their their just reward from God, but they literally take sacred spaces and sacred moments to literally speak truth to power against all forms of injustice. If we didn't have a James Cone, we wouldn't have the amazing literary work that is The Cross and the the Lynching lynching Tree. tree. Yes, ma'am. And if you have not read that, do yourself a favor and hit up Young Am Amazon or wherever you get your <laughs> literary work and get the cross and, and the lynching tree. tree because there is still yet this day very vital and important conversations that we need to have as it relates to Christianity yes and the subject of race relations yes. in America yes yes all right this um that was good that that taste good that tastes good. All right, so... I just feel like we should just play N.W.A. No? No. I think that we should play some Marvin Gaye. What's going on? All my right. Vote, my vote is N.W.A. <laughs> okay, so... And the police coming straight from the underground. Well, hold on. Intercessor, back no. up. No. Get the hunch out of your shoulders. Amen. <laughs> so, next, I want to talk through... Um, the beloved sister, Cardi B. Hey now. So, Cardi B 
Um, there's so much to be said about the woman of God. She is doing a phenomenal um, job in this time and season of her life. I think she's the only rapper, period, that has been nominated for five Grammys. Shout out to Cardi. I mean, get your coins. Listen, by any means necessary. But as you get your coin, that don't not, jack up. That knot healed on the side of her face, too. It, no. Strong and knotty. My God, I'm telling you, it was Gazi and Blur, man. <laughs> just straight Photoshop, fam. They should have just smoothed it over. Smooth it over. All right, so um, here in recent news, Cardi um, was sanctioned to come to court. Mm -hmm. The judge in New York literally threatened that if she did not bring her behind to court, I believe this past week, he was actually going to put out a bench warrant against Cardi B. And this was um, from an incident that happened this summer where she got into it with a bartender at a strip club for allegedly, um, I guess, trying to hit on The her. bar tender. Remember that? I'm at the bar with me. <laughs> All right. So the bartender, the female bartender was allegedly um, trying to get at Cardi's fiance, who eventually became her husband, who's now becoming her ex. Offset, there's a whole lot in that, right? So Cardi nutted up on the girl. Um, allegedly, she put a hit out on the woman of God. She wanted Baby D to walk up on her and drag her in these Holy Ghost streets. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, Cardi, I, I think that there's been, a lesson. <laughs> I have been wearing the Friday Trilogy out on Netflix, you hear me? Cupcake got a new Twitter coming out. You know all the 2000 snacks. I think Glitter busting your mouth. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny, but I am... I'm not gonna say that. Amen. So anyway, um What you was about to say, fam? You know, I I can't confirm or deny, but I just may be the baby D of 2019. My snack game is on a whole nother level. If you were to come to my job and look in my cubicle, oh, it's my a shame. I don't have supplies. And like my pull-out drawers, I have snacks. I can neither confirm nor deny to the listening public that every time I talk to this man, I don't you do that? He's eating something. Shut up! I thought we were better than that. You know, I'm begrudged. I'm offended. With the same energy. <laughs> With the same energy. I want you to come back and ask for forgiveness. All right. But Cardi B. So I think that there's a lesson to be learned from Cardi B. You yeah. know, even in the season of living your best life and you're breaking records and Ain't you're doing things. With you. you know, um, you still have to be aware and cautious of the decisions that you are making. Absolutely. You know, you're not above the law. You're not above, you know, being checked by anybody. But more so, I pull into question her circle. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, there's no way possible. I call myself your brother, and yeah. I'm going to permit you to be out in these Atlanta streets mm -hmm. wigging out. Like, no. Man, there have been plenty of times on both ends where it's like, fam, are you okay? What are you doing? And if you have people around you who cannot speak truth to power to where you are the holistic you, every facet away. of you, absolutely. To the left, to the left. That friendship in a box, to the left. <laughs> what are y'all out here doing? Listen. 
these old fake, superficial friendships. Like, don't bro me if you don't know me. That, seriously, don't bro me if you don't know me. And a part of being able to bro me is that you're able to call bull crap. You're able to check me where I stand. But not only that, have my back. That part. But when we get in the car, I'ma shake you like you stole something. Okay. Mm? Shake me like a rag doll. Listen, like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> and when we get back out in public. Absolutely. You know, nobody will ever know that there was ever an alt between us. Sharday is a part of my come and get me crew, okay? Indeed, likewise. Unpopular opinion. Now, the way y'all have been up and through my DMs Mine. about this last unpopular opinion, I want to let you know I'm not scared of none of y'all. You can come fight me. I'll run you over. Just be able to fight, fam. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't walk up on me and hit me and can't fight. Listen. Right punch you in the face burn me with a cigarette <laughs> well wait bust me in the face with a bottle hold on see this is why you can't fight people who are aesthetically challenged because they ain't got nothing to lose they, ain't got nothing to lose. they will burn you with a black and mild and think nothing of it and makes you with a jar of pills <laughs> what <laughs> moving on so unpopular opinion while i was in africa oh god over the thanksgiving season I was in Ghana, and whenever, you know, I was able to get a little Wi-Fi, God bless, I was really, you know, looking for amazing dinner plates mm -hmm. from Thanksgiving. Um, I even told the Saints before I left the country, save my plate from Thanksgiving. I wanted somebody to freeze me a plate. Fam, the way... These plates, the food y'all was cooking, it looked great. Fam, I don't know who had a nervous breakdown. Y'all just was going through on Thanksgiving. All of the plates looked like struggle. I believe Big Mama just said she was tired this year. She wasn't doing nothing. Y'all ain't visit her all year long, and now you want to show up to her house and ask her to cook. Big Mama went on her A-game this year. Big Mama went to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> Big Mama sold her food stamps. Fam! <laughs> like, Big Mama said, skip me, <laughs> reverse back to you, Uno out. And then y'all wanna serve up this slop. Who's eating it? And then take a picture, and it's all on Insta stories. I was like, are y'all okay? Macaroni and cheese with cheese slices. Your cheese ain't fully melted. Your greens look like they had grit floating on top of them. Now, I do have to say, my mama gonna kill me. Fam, Mother Martin almost burned the collard greens. Oh no. She did. <laughs> she caught it, but she almost burnt it. It was, the water had boiled out, and she walked across that island and was like, what in the fresh hell? I said, fresh <laughs> hell. So hell is stale. Got it. Okay. Got it. There are new versions of hell. Got it. Hell is fresh. That's why we need brand new That's why we need brand new I mercies. Can't. I can't. The woman of God had a revelation. Because hell is fresh. It's fresh. I can't. So to advert the fresh hell, we need brand new Hallelujah. I'm going to put at the bottom of this my cash app. I need you to send me my money. Thank you.
Um, but yeah. Skip me. No, just skip Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> skip okay? Just skip it. Skip. Don't y'all do that no more. In this Christmas hour, in this Christmas season, don't post no green dressing because you put too much sage in it. Don't post them gritty greens with the worms in it. Don't post that doggone macaroni and cheese with the unmelted cheese. Don't post the candied yams with the unmelted marshmallows that are not toasted. Don't, I, post it and I'm burning your phone up. Too far? It's your world, fam. I'm here for you. You know, I... No, I get passionate about food. Clearly. And it's, it's disrespectful. It's, it's okay, man. Just, I'm a, for Christmas, I'm gonna get you some potato salad from Publix. And I'm gonna put some grapes in it. You want me to cuss. Moving on. You know, in these social media streets, it's just, it's so much happening. And recently... <laughs> A young whippersnapper out of Decatur, Georgia, that goes by the name of Jacquees, recently said on Instagram that he is the king of R&B. Lies, fallacies, fairy tales, deceit, lost edges. Unicorns, Tamala Man girdles. You know, her girdles suck everything. Oh my God. <laughs> but the young man is claiming the title of king of R&B. Well, first of all, he didn't say what type of R&B he was king of. You know, Nippy said that Bobby Brown was the king of R&B, and I really think she meant ribs and barbecue. She really meant rolls and buns. Rice and beans. Rello and bud. R&B, though. Like, fam. <laughs> You out here singing flat and sharp, you're flarp. But, you, <laughs> but you're the but you're the king of R&B houseway. So what we're not gonna do is smear over the fact you call this man flarp. Fam, have you seen him? I don't wanna bore you with it. Now I will say who I believe to be. The authentic, real king of R&B. And we, we can Ice either add on... Oh, oh, I'm sick of you. We can either add on, you know, for his generation. Okay. Babyface. If y'all listen to the okay. lyrics... You like, you like hush music, all right? No, 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 no. Whatever you want, <laughs> it's all right with me. You got that whip appeal. Listen, how many of us were conceived to baby face music of the 80s and the 90s? That man has hits, not just the music that he sang and that he was a part of, but the joints that he wrote, the stuff that he produced. His ear was endless. If there, I'll tell you this. If baby face Edmund did not exist, there would be no tank. Hello. There would be no Tyrese, there would be no Joe, there would be no Silk, there would be no H-Town, body rockin', knockin' the boots, there would be no Genuine. Shall I continue to call the roll? Well, if there was no Teddy Pendergrass, well, there would be no Babyface, huh? Huh? Well, you know. Honorable mention, who do you know that can impregnate somebody while <laughs> telling them, as you would say, to cut off lights that I pay for. Fam. 
But not only that, Teddy wanted you to get burned. He wanted you to go to the merchant. He said, put burning hot oil on me. Yeah, that bandi or shot. No. Hallelujah. No. Hey, Miss McBride. I thank God for you, woman of God. I'm praying you in in Jesus' name. And for Christmas, we're going to get you <laughs> some shea butter. Because clearly the man of God wants to burn you. Listen. You are not rub okay. me down in some hot. Oh, babe. So what? Hot. Hot. Jesus. Fam, Roger gonna have you out here with third degree burn. Then Teddy said, and I'll do. So you burn me, I burn you. My Usher said, let it burn. We later found out what was burning. Oh, moving on. expecting that, <laughs> like you. And we in Atlanta with these Justice League. I'm telling you, it's Mighty God. these Justice League STDs. You know what? That, that's what's really keeping me in these last and evil days. I thank God for parents. My mom has been in the medical field for the past, what, 26 years. Mm-hmm. And her stories that she come home and share with me, it keeps me shook, secure, and safe in the arc of safety. Okay? Fam, you gonna be out here like Kadeem Hardison in Vampire in Brooklyn. Losing <laughs> ears. <laughs> Is that your nose? In prayer, your nose fall off. <laughs> you it, can't pray that back on man of God. Like, are you okay? <laughs> that was his Listen. nose. Come skip me. Skip me. Skip me. I thank God for being kept in this hour. Um, and speaking of being kept, huh? We are now in the season known as cuffing. Unpopular opinion. Mm -hmm. Cuffing season. Cuffing season Mm -hmm. needs to skip an entire generation. Y'all been cuffed up all year long, and I'm sick of it. I'm booed up. I'm booed up. I'm booed up. Fam, that's what's wrong with y'all. Y'all out here cuffed up, and then you come Sunday, and you want your pastor to pray you out of death, hell, and degradation. Yeah, after you done not only swap bodily fluids, but you done swap souls, spirits, graces, mantles, uh-huh. and demons. What are you doing? <laughs> that hey big head gonna get you in some trouble. Listen, speaking of getting in trouble, hey Offset. Who's on, <laughs> who's on Twitter talking about, forget y'all, I miss Cardi. Fam, we didn't do it. You, you did. You did. He gonna say hey under her post on Instagram. Y'all won. What, what did we do? Excuse me? This has nothing to do with us, sir. Get your mind right. Get your heart right. Just Didn't the Bible say something about the heart? The hearts of men? The deceitfully wicked? Who can know it? Huh? Read this Bible. I'll say get your heart right. So, you know, in this season of cuffing, what I am requesting of all of our listeners um, is that you take your decision to the altar. Take, I mean, in all seriousness, take your decision-making to the altar. Um, those of you all that are in relationships that are quickly coming to an end uh, because the other individual don't want to buy a Christmas gift, when Valentine's Day come around, please don't answer the hey, big head text. Um, for those of you all that are living single. In the year of our Lord, 2018. Make sure that all of your members are covered and saturated in the blood of Jesus. Listen. Hey, man. 
Because I once heard a wonderful preacher that said that the Holy Ghost will help your horny. I said that. Well, I didn't say it. He said it, but I'm repeating it. You know, and I believe that. In these last and evil days, we need to have the conversations of how we can employ Holy Spirit to help us with our horny. And if the Holy Ghost ain't enough, please remember that in Atlanta, they want you to take HIV prevention medication like birth control. Jesus. If you don't sit your, my God. Sit your hot body down somewhere, okay? Sit it down. Now. Now. Jesus Christ. McBride wanted to say something else. I really, <laughs> I really did, but I don't want the FCA to censor us. Ain't that what they call it? My God. <laughs> the FCA, the FAC. Whichever one of them that F- control F- it. FCC? <laughs> the FCC? Yes. <laughs> the FCC is controlled by the prince of the power of the air. And we pull you down. We pull you down. Hmm. Hallelujah. I really wish y'all could see how he is rocking back and forward <laughs> in this peacoat. <laughs> Why you gotta tell my business like this? Cause you are old grumpy man. Like <laughs> No, we're gonna have to have a whole conversation about this. I got cigarettes in my car. I'm burning. <laughs> I'm burning you. I got a whole pack in my car. I'ma light them up just to burn you. I'ma boin you. <laughs> that's that's what they used to say, I'm a boin you. So that wraps up unpopular opinion. Let's get into mirror mirror. Mirror mirror on the wall. Who's the flies intercessor of them all? I really don't know why you try to make that a thing. That's going to be a thing. It is not a thing. Oh. It's not gonna happen, fam. Just let it go. Let it burn. No. Let it go. Let it. No. Let it flow. I thought I had a song. That's what you get. (laughs) Jesus. This segment, what is Mirror Mirror about, man? So Mirror Mirror is where we pause to really do a in-depth search into the heart and the mind of the intercessor. This is a moment of introspective reflection. Um, Although we're not necessarily saying that these are our stories or our narratives, we are identifying that these are some of the pitfalls that individuals who are intercessors, that are part of our generation, they do find themselves in. So we're talking through um, conversations that we wish someone would have had with us. So Mirror Mirror is where we give you the wisdom that we had to pay for. Absolutely. So... It is imperative to know that as an intercessor, your heart posture is everything. David says in Psalms that if I regard iniquity in my heart, that the Lord will not hear me. He won't hear me. So that then tells me that it's the posture of your heart that puts feet on your prayers. Mm. So you absolutely have to be mindful of what you're hosting and housing in your heart because it absolutely will affect the um, efficiency of your Your prayers. Never allow what's in your heart to keep God from hearing what's in your mouth, man. That's so real. Um, And I think that a lot of what gains entryway into our hearts is actually found in what we find relationship with. 
what we give audience to, what we permit space into our lives. So today's Mirror Mirror segment, we will be dealing with this whole thing of unity. As an intercessor, it is imperative that you find community, okay? You must find community. Isolation, isolation is not the will of God for your life. No man is an island. You need somebody. That part. And don't just take our word for it. It is absolutely clear in the Bible. In the book of Psalms, I felt like I was taking a text. You did take a text. It's all right. We're going on. And you put on the preaching voice. My God. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, Psalm 68 and 6 in the Amplified Bible, David says, God makes a home for the lonely. He leads the prisoners into prosperity. Only the stubborn and rebellious dwell in a parched land. You were made for community. Yeah. If we were in an academic setting, they would talk to you about interdependence, how it is absolutely imperative that we lean on one another, that we are finally intertwined with one another. You were created for family. You were created for community. Yeah, and and just let it be said and let it be known that this isn't any type of community. We're not just telling you to go out here and link up with people Absolutely. because they are human or individual. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6 says faithful are the wounds of a friend but the, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Listen, if I call you a part of my squad, if I call you a part of my family, if I call you a part of my tribe, we're friends, you're my bro, you're my sis, you're my ace, whatever you have full permission to pull out your knife and cut me when i need to be cut but also i should have the same permission to pull out a rod of correction and check you and correct you this is how we grow because again no man is an island no woman is an island the scripture even talks about how iron sharpens iron you need individuals in your crew that are a part of your set that are able to not only check you, but also pull you up, push you when you are afraid, challenge um, the, the the inconsistencies in your life. So um, with us talking about unity, we also want to segue into what are some of the enemies of unity? Absolutely. Yeah. Number one would absolutely have to be pride. Mm-hmm. And when you look at pride, there is a passage of scripture that says that not only does um, God oppose the prideful or the proud, it says that he sets himself against Against them. them. Fam, do you really want to live your life as an enemy of God? God? Ain't that deep? Oh my God. That's heavy. That's heavy. When you really pull that thing into consideration, my pride will cause me to be a direct enemy of God. But to even take it a step further, I think from a whole theological perspective, um, it it causes me to explore the notion of the Imago Dei. Um, the Imago Dei is a theory that was explored by theologian uh, Dorothea Zole, um, where basically the, the, the Imago Dei says that all things that were created by God has God's spirit or God's power, God's essence on the inside of it. So whenever I'm operating in pride um, towards you and I do something towards you, I'm not necessarily doing it towards Charday, but I'm doing it towards the God that's in Charday. Mm-hmm. 
you know so every time we operate in places of pride we move in systems of pride we exhibit behaviors of pridefulness towards each other and even to ourselves really sit with the fact that we're not doing it to the individual but we're doing it to the god that's in the individual and that that's a hard thing to really swallow absolutely and even when you look at dynamics of pride usually those who are proud they are masking shame mm. and when you Ooh, lean into that when you look at shame yeah when you look at the dynamic of adam and eve adam although it wasn't a blatant lie that he told he was deflecting so then wherever shame is present a liar is in the midst and we have to be careful that um, we're not opening the door to various things because pride is absolutely um, an entryway to other things what are some other things that pride can open the door to um pride can open the door to you living in the shadows mm -hmm. um you living in darkness you living beneath your means the means of promise um i think that pride is also an entryway into perversion absolutely um you'll find yourself doing things and saying things and being things in order to keep up the lie that was shaped in your priorities. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Lean into that. Yeah. Um, let's go into the narrative of um, Absalom mm -hmm. with David. You know, um, his, his, I think his, not only his rebellion and his hurt, um, but also his pridefulness towards his father and getting it right with mm -hmm. his father um, caused him to live below what it was on his life to live. He was the next in line to the throne. You know, um, he was the son of the king. He was the son of David. And here it is, him finding himself living in the wilderness for 15, 30 years, mm -hmm. all because of his anger and his unwillingness to get it right with his father. But too, I dare say that David's pridefulness also drove his son to become the murderer that Absolutely. he was, to become the rebellious man that he was. So, yeah. Yeah, and the thing that really just does it for me as it relates to Absalom is the fact that the very God-given thing that was yes. a distinction for him yes. because he lived in such egregious pride, yeah. the thing that set him apart was the thing that killed, that him. killed him. He was hung by his hair. So, That's fine. yeah, man, pride, kill that with a skillet, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that really segues into the other enemy of unity. It's the spirit of offense. Absolutely. Offense causes us to cut relationships off, cut people off, mm -hmm. remove ourselves from people groups. And, you know, we're coming into this new year. Everybody want to say, you know, new year, new me. And we start cutting people off. We start leaving communities. You know, we start vagabond and get out. You know, you're wandering around from people to people to people to people. Um, but as you were sharing with me earlier, you're like, fam, what if the thing that you need to cut off is yourself? That part so wrapped up in social media these days. And we have so many memes that go across our news feed that talks about toxicity but what happens when it's not them but the, the toxicity is you yeah. 
And do you have authentic people in your community that will again speak truth to power to say, hey fam, your breath stinks. Get it together. That attitude, that posture of heart, that is not pleasing to the Father. And you will not have power with God and power with man. And you're walking around with that kind of heart posture. Get it together. There have been plenty of times where I may have been justified in how I felt about something, but you have come to me and said, like, man, like, I get it. Like, I understand. But absolutely forfeit your right to be right and if you are going to contend in the place of prayer for people you cannot live a life of the offended and at the end of the day we have to understand that offense is an act but offended is a decision come on yes ma'am so there are so many people who are choosing to live lives of offense you're choosing to live your everyday life being offended and you can tell when people just out here you want to be mad like are you mad mad you big mad Like, you're just mad. And there's no way that you can, again, contend for people. There's no way that you can stand in the gap, stand between someone and a bad decision, and you have offense in your heart. I often say that um, a prophet offended is a witch pending, and there's no way that we can stand as prophets, priests, intercessors, and have offense in our hearts and think that we will be able to offer up incense. That's what prayers represented, incense. Um, There's no way that we can offer up that prayer, those prayers to to the Father, and it's coming from a heart posture of offense. Like, get that together. And too, I believe that pride are the hands that hold the offense. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you feel like you're justified. I'm justified. You feel like you're right. You're going to hear me out. You're going to hear what I'm saying. Like, fam, forfeit your right to be right. Lean into that. Forfeiting your right to be right. Just like it's a choice in hanging on to the grudge, it's also a choice in letting it go. Um, In the story, going back to David and Absalom, Absalom's offense with David was due to David's poor management as a father. Mm-hmm. Um, David's for all of you all that may not be familiar with the story, David had a daughter named Tamar. Mm-hmm. Tamar was raped by one of her older brothers, and Absalom, who was one of her brothers, identified the fact that their brother raped Tamar. So, he goes to Adam, he tells Adam, hey Pop, my brother raped my sister, what are you going to do about it? The scripture literally implies that David went silent. David said nothing. David did nothing. Absalom throws a party. He invites all of his siblings. He murders everybody. Um, The one that was responsible for Tamar's rape, but also the innocent, those that had nothing to do with it. Um, And that's even a whole story within itself, how oftentimes offense also carries collateral damage as well, right? Um, So once he kills everybody, a servant um, survives, he runs to David, he tells David what happened, and Absalom immediately gets up and lives in obscurity. He goes and he wanders in the wilderness. Absalom had all right to feel the way that he felt. He had all right to be angry. 
had our right to be mad. He had our right to even challenge his father as a son to his dad to say, Pop, you're not right for not saying anything. Um, but in the moment of him hanging on to his rightness, it caused him to set himself up for death. When he eventually comes back to the kingdom, he tries to ignite um, a coup de tête or to usurp the throne, to overthrow David, um, to get people on his side. And he did exactly that. Um, and when David finally realized what was taking place, the scripture says that David literally began to run for his life from his son Absalom. And eventually, um, in Absalom's anger and rage and him hanging on to his offense and him not forfeiting his right to be right, eventually he ends up killing himself. His anger drove him to death. His Absolutely. anger drove him to death. So whenever we say forfeit your right to be right, sometimes there are some things that you are absolutely right in the way that you feel. But those emotions, those ideologies are so intense that they are speaking louder than the voice of God. I wonder how many times was God's voice nudging Absalom in the wilderness to tell him to go back home. But because he hung on to the offense of dad did nothing and dad said nothing, he refused to go back. How many times did God nudge him to tell him to stop pursuing his father and to give up, you know, this whole thing of wanting to overthrow the, the throne of David, but because he was so gun-ho about being right and gung-ho about seeking revenge that he pushed the voice of God to the side. So, yeah. So what you're saying is that when you make a decision to hold on to a fence, you could possibly very well be forfeiting your way into safety. Yes. Exactly. That's heavy. That is heavy. It's a when you look at the word offense in Greek, it is translated to the word scandalizo, which means a trap or a snare. So it's where we get the English word scandal. Mm. So this word means a snare, a noose, or a trap. So it means that something that offense is something that makes someone stumble or fall into a scandalous act. Wow. So you don't just, again, stumble into offense. You decide you your decide. way in. How many, how many things have you decided your way into that you're offended about? Or decided your way out of because you're offended about. How many of us have decided our way out of authentically God-given relationships? But we left too soon because we were offended. We moved too soon because we were offended. We murdered them with our mouths because we were offended. Intercessor, please, in these last few days of 2018, make the righteous decision to drop the offense and to get it right. Absolutely. And with that, there are seven signs and signals of the spirit of offense operating. And usually, um, I outline that in Intercession 101. But number one is withdrawal from relationships and fellowship. Um, an offended person will oftentimes decide to stay away 
or withhold any support or contribution he or she used to make. And when you are in a place of intercession as an intercessor and you make a decision to withhold portions of yourself, portion of your portions of your input, you're really setting yourself up for witchcraft because that's control. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to do an act in order to make you react to what I'm doing. That's control. So we have to be very mindful of that. Another sign and signal is resentment. That's harboring animosity against a person, a group of people that you feel have mistreated you. Another sign and signal is distrust. Offended people lose trust for everybody. All right. The offended person may also encounter difficulty in submission to authority mm -hmm. and will often develop destructive, independent spirit like this independent spirit. So be mindful of that. Um, another sign and signal is betrayal. Offense can lead to betrayal of love and trust. Wherever offense is present, betrayal is inevitable. Mm. Wherever offense is present, betrayal is inevitable. Another sign and signal is unanswered prayers. Um, carrying offense can lead to unanswered prayer. Jesus said in Mark 11, I believe, he says that if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you. And also remember what we quoted about David, that if you regard iniquity in your heart, that the Lord will not hear you. Yes. So it is again the posture of your heart that puts feet on your prayers. Another um, signal of offense is rebellion. Offended people often develop a rebellious spirit and they go against the established order. And that leads back to Absalom. And the last one is a recollection of events. Offended people also seem to have very good memories of things that have happened. And it's always usually toward the scope of a victim. They did this to me. Yeah. Why is this happening yeah. to me? So those are um, about seven things to keep in mind um, to really see and trace if the spirit of offense is in operation yeah. in your life. So That's real. you have pride as an enemy of unity. You have offense. The third one, which is a major enemy to unity, is the lack of transparency. Yeah. How important is it to be transparent as an intercessor? Listen, it's it's our bread and butter. If if I'm unable to be transparent with my neighbor that I see, it is absolutely impossible for me to be transparent with the God who created me. Oftentimes, whenever we lack transparency and authenticity. We go into the presence of God with mass. We go into the presence of God as counterfeits. And we, we wonder why doesn't God answer or why don't we, we get the results that we desire in prayer. Whenever God looks at us, whenever we're lacking, you know, transparency, God isn't seeing what God created. God is seeing a mask. God is seeing an android. God is seeing, you know, a robot. God is seeing an android. You know, God, God is seeing, God is seeing something that He did not make. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and even, even in the 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 dynamics of relationship, wherever there is transparency, there is intimacy, mm -hmm. and wherever there is intimacy, 
there is earned trust. And in order for you to earn trust, that means that there is relationship. Absolutely. And it's the same thing in the spirit. Mm-hmm. The only, when, when we function and operate in transparency with God, yes, God knows all. Yes, God sees all. But God also tells us in the scripture um, to contend with him. You know, um, the scripture also tells us that we can cast our cares on God. All of those things are linked with transparency. So when I begin to engage in transparency with God spiritually, I'm having a level of intimacy that's there. I'm employing or engaging our relationship. Absolutely. You know, that's good. And there are also benefits to transparency. To be completely honest, transparency saved my life, Mm. but it was humility that drove me to a point where I can embrace the technology of transparency that really made a change in my life and I realized and I was able to see firsthand that transparency carries benefits. One of the benefits of transparency is healing. James 5 and I think it's 16 it says that it says that we are to confess our sins to to one another so that we are healed. So there are portions and pieces of healing that we are forfeiting because we refuse to be transparent. It didn't say go to the bishop or go to your pastor so that you're here. It said confess your faults one to another so your refusal to be transparent with authentic relationships you're forfeiting healing for your life healing for your family healing inner healing for your heart there are benefits to transparency another benefit of transparency is conversion when david fell with bathsheba Nathan came to him and restored him, gave him the word of the Lord. He was restored and converted back to God. Transparency is a tool that God will wield in the hands of authentic community to drive you back to the feet of the cross. If you are in relationship of any kind with anybody, some type of community, and that community at the end of the day, they are not driving you back to the feet of the cross run listen get out someone call 911 like fam fam I'll be gone until November get out of there so healing conversion the presence of God is in transparency Um, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth that's transparency Protection. There's protection in transparency and there's also honor in transparency. But I really want intercessors to know that as a person that stands in the gap to intercede for other people, when you reject transparency, you're rejecting the healing balm of the Lord. So how many broken places in you that are persistent, You have a resolution every year. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to do this differently. And the help that you need, the healing that you're looking for to give you the empowerment to change that resolution is found in transparency. Just be honest, man. Say lie. Well, listen, I believe that that really wraps up. There's nothing left to be said. Just found 
that be transparent. Yeah. Rent. There's nothing left to be said. That that was phenomenal. Listen, y'all. That hit you, you in do, your chest. It did. It, it really did. Um, practice unity. Practice unity. Practice being transparent. Practice releasing and dropping the offense. Practice releasing the pride before we step over. Intercessor, you need community. You need a tribe of people who are able to grow you, who are able to strengthen you, who are able to uh, assist in your conversion and your healing. Unity. U-N-I-T-Y. We need it. Thank you so much for joining in, listening in, to the let out yeah man what's what's your social media handles man my social media handle is broderick dot mcbride on instagram and on facebook i am broderick l mcbride absolutely you can find me on instagram and twitter at shardemus that's s-h-a-r-d-e-m-u-s i am maxed out on facebook but i shut up it's okay I'm maxed out on Facebook, but I do have a like page. 2019, I'm definitely going to roll out. Like page. <sighs> Y'all, my friend is famous. That is so dumb. I'm so grateful that I have a seat at the table and I can touch the hem of your garments. If you don't get off my hoodie, oh, move. Don't nobody know me. First of all, number B. Your breath is hot. So, yeah, I'm maxed out on Facebook, but I do have a like page. You can find it, Sharday Martin Unlimited. That's all I got, fam. All right, well, listen. What do the lonely do at Christmas? Drop down and get your eagle on, girl. You never let me go by myself, fam. No, I won't. This is unity. Huh? All right. We out. Bye.